Thank you. Thank you. Hey, before we all sit down, uh, I just want to say thank, thank you for that nice introduction. And I'm so glad you guys came. And uh, I'm glad I, I got to come. This is my, um, my last stop before going back to Australia. I've been here with my husband since uh, December 23. So we've been here a long time. And we did it purposefully to escape the heat. Ooh, it's hot in Australia. But, uh, yeah, so, and, and uh, January is equivalent to our July here. So, yeah, by the time we get back, the fires are out. They've turned down the heat, and it's really nice. But um, I go back on Monday so that I get to share this particular time with you is really, really special. Thank you for taking the effort to get here from wherever it is that you're from. But can we just do um, something together? Can we just lift up our heart and our hands from your heart? Let's worship him. Hallelujah. Clap on to something that you know is true about him that you are so thankful for. Oh, Lord Jesus, we worship you. We worship your faithfulness. We worship your goodness. Lord Jesus, head of the church, Savior of the body, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Mbragede, go ahead and just pray in the Holy Ghost a little bit. Zevriski, Kalabaji, Klemende, Hallelujah. Ola Manania Rastana. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've been together since since uh, 2020 started. But before you're seated, why don't you just say Happy New Year? I guess this whole month you can say Happy New Year. Love on each other just a little bit more. Pastor, are these yours? <laughs> Yeehaw! All right, you can, you can sit down. So I know each of you are having your own um, times with the Lord and you're, you're seeking God individually. I know the body of Christ um, seeks God in January because January is the only time when God talks, <laughs> gives vision. So um, I was just saying, you know, we, uh, July is a, is a vacation month in Australia, and so... Um, we have a February fast. Don't you think that sounds clever? The February fast. Because you can actually seek God in February. Or March. Or April. Or May. And we find that whenever we do seek Him, uh, we find Him. And He has already been speaking and we just are tuning into His channel. And we hear what He is saying to us. Praise the name of the Lord. So... Um, one thing that I like to do before leaving the States is to pray, uh, pray for America. And um, I just, it's just something between me and the Lord. 
um, and I've gotten to do some meetings this um, this January in different places, but <clears throat> this is the last place, and so I'd like the opportunity to pray for America together with you. We pray for America um, also in Australia, and and Aussies are praying for Australia, and pretty much the whole world is looking at this country because whatever happens here affects the rest of the world. So it's really important what, what God is doing and accomplishing, and God has chosen to work through us, praise the Lord. So we're going to just look at some things, and um, I was praying for you, and I, I believe I got some things in my heart just to share. Um, in being here, this this kind of just evolved kind of spontaneously, our dear friends here, Tim and Wanda, and just so thank you, thank you so much for um, letting me come. I got an invitation from them a long, oh, some time ago, and ended up with a bit of a, a, an extra week before going back, and I was just in Fort Worth, and so I let them know I'd be in the area. So here I am in your area. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go in the Bible. There's just some things that we, uh, we've all learned. We have, uh, we've eaten from a common table. And so there are certain, um, there is a certain diet that is not uncommon to us. It is um, comfort food. It's familiar food for us. And uh, along with everything that we love and cherish about the entire word. There's just some things that stand out to us, some, some words that God uses that our, um, our, we, our spirits are sensitized to and purposefully and strategically sensitized to um, because he has put us in the body as it pleased him. I was raised, uh, my dad is a pastor and not anymore, you know, he's, he's, he's 86 years old now, but I was raised in a pastor's home uh, in, uh, in the Assemblies of God um, fellowship. And so, um, and came to know different ministers within that, and then, and then some church of God and diff- different ones, mostly within Pentecost. And then, um, in a July camp meeting uh, that I went to after I graduated from high school, I was just sitting in a July camp meeting, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to go to Rama. And it was only the third year that it had been in existence. And so I went home, packed my stuff, and then, uh, yeah, it was like one of those major shifts and changes in your life that then affects the rest of the, the direction and the roads that you end up taking. And so, uh, yeah, so we, um, so going to Rhema in 1976, graduating back then in 1977. And one of the things that um, became like almost cliche is coming to know who you are in Christ. It's important to know who you are in Christ. And um, so sometimes when those, those terminologies um, become like that, 
they can they can lose the reality of that because you can kind of just slap those those phrases on. But actually, we cannot represent him right unless we know who we are. And so it is um, not only in knowing who he is, because we can't represent him right if we don't know who he is. So our continual love and our continual desire is to, is to know him, is to, to know him better. Because only the degree that we know him can we, can we show him. So uh, we want to keep knowing him better. But if we know him well and don't know who we are, we still misrepresent him. We have to know both. And the only way that we really know who we are is, first of all, coming to know increasingly more who he is because our identity is in him. So I just trust that in this year there'll just be continual uh, unfoldings and revealings of more and more of him. Aren't we hungry to know him? Um, I remember, and, and uh, Tim was telling about this time when, um, in teaching in Rhema, when I, back in the day when I did, um, I taught the subject of Old Testament people of faith. And uh, through, through the story of Enoch, went over the fact that there was a particular time when I came to know the, the father more intimately than I had. Growing up in the environment that I was, I, I knew Jesus really well. My whole relationship was developed in God around Jesus. And it was when I went to Ramah and would listen to Brother Hagen and he would talk about the father that I, I realized that he actually knew him. And it wasn't just it wasn't just doctrinal. It wasn't just theological. There was a there was a real and vital relationship with him, and so I made it an um, an appointment to to meet with him in a cow pasture. And there was just from that time, uh, it absolutely um, shaped and revolutionized my my heart and my life. And the way that I viewed the word, uh, rather than it just being doctrines that are compartmentalized this way, it's everything that we learn leads to him and enhances a relationship with him. So it is not just what, it is whom. And Paul said that to Timothy. He said, I know not what I have believed. And it's important to know what we have believed. Isn't that right? Because if you don't really know what you believe and you're, we're not anchored in what we believe, then currents, you know, of other people's thoughts and culture and feelings uh, can really get you to drift. If you don't really know what you believe and you're not anchored and it pulls you back to what you believe. Um, I talked to my mother yesterday on the phone, and she had just gotten um, a report from the doctor, not from any tests, but he just threw out something of a concern, but he used the word cancer, 
and and it was based on no no test, no nothing. But he threw that out, and so I I um, my mother knows what she believes, and so my sister was with me, Trina. She was with me, and uh, we were both talking to Mama on Facetime, and this was my the the tone of my mother's eighty uh, four year old voice. We said, well, Mama, how are you doing today? She goes, well, I'm into the word. She says, I'm, I'm about to write some things down that God is saying about me. That was my mother's 84-year-old voice after she heard that C word from the doctor. She goes, this is what I, and then she started just jumping in and saying what the word said about her. Well, I like that. And so Trina and I were talking about that afterwards. We just said, don't you like our mom? There wasn't any tremble in her voice. There was no hoo-hoo. There nothing. Oh, when, when currents go cross-grain to her, she bucks up. And she just anchors in more and more, pulls on that anchor that she has in the Word. But it's not just in what she believes, because Paul didn't actually say that to Timothy. Paul didn't say, for I know what I have believed, and I'm persuaded. No, he said, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. So if there is only a depth into what we have believed, there is a very... Um, scary opportunity and chance to get pharisaical with what we believe and dry with what we believe. Rigid with what we believe. But when you know whom you have believed, it gives depth, breadth, height, length to what you believe. And I reckon that we'll still be learning all the things that we love about the Word of God and things that we'll be learning that way off into eternities. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger in Him. So we know whom we have believed. Isn't He faithful to us? Don't we have testimonies? We've come out of 2019, whatever's happened in 2019, whatever we experienced in 2019 or in the years before. But we know whom we have believed. He is faithful. Even when people weren't faithful, he remained faithful. Even when we weren't faithful, he remained faithful. So we magnify and worship his faithfulness. But... um, When we lived in Singapore which was before Australia. When we lived in Singapore, um, I was running one night. I was out running, and um, as I was, you know, I just slowed down and was walking then through the neighborhood, and I put my hands up. I said, oh, Father, I put my hands up into your faithfulness. I just worship your faithfulness. And um, I was... While I was worshiping his faithfulness, I was kind of reflecting on some things that I hadn't been so faithful in. <laughs> and um, he told me, he said, if you'll actually draw what you're worshiping, 
if you'll draw it in, my faithfulness will become a distinct characteristic about you too. Isn't that interesting? That it isn't enough for him to be wonderful and us to worship these wonderful qualities of him and for us to be pathetically different. We misrepresent him if we even believe the same things, the right things, but don't act like him. Um, there, there's a writer that um, I like to read after um, on occasion. His name is E. Stanley Jones. Anybody ever hear of E. Stanley Jones? He was a Methodist missionary to India. And so he was contemporary with Mahatma Gandhi. And um, he was... Uh, he, yeah, a, a, a very spiritual and precious man and, and with a depth of relationship in the Lord. And he asked Mahatma Gandhi one time, he said, For, do you have advice that you could give to uh, we Christians if we're going to bring Christianity into a new zone or a new, a new place where they've never ever heard it before? Because Mahatma Gandhi had actually studied Christianity and had gone to a Christian church to, um, engage, you know, to find out more. And they would let him in because he was of the wrong caste. That's shocking, isn't it? But anyway, he told, he told um, this E. Stanley Jones uh, when asked about what would your advice be to we Christians who bring the gospel to a new group of people. He said, my advice would be, and he gave him four things, but the first one is all I'll, I'll mention. He said the, the, the main thing would be for Christians to act like Jesus. He had studied, he had studied Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And his number one advice to Christians is to act like him, <laughs> to act like who we are. We can't act like who we are. We don't act like who we are. We act like who we think we are. And our thinking is, is a muck if we don't really know who he is. So we connect this way. And because we're new creatures in him, he has redefined us. We are not defined nor confined by our, our families, our towns, what we do, what we have done, what we have. We're not defined by any of that. We're defined by who we are in Christ. So we just don't have that cliche thing of who, you know, find out who you are in Christ. No, really do. <laughs> we really do. So, um, um, a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, a couple and a half years ago, probably, the Lord put in my heart, I could see when I would be in prayer or whatever, I'd see myself 
um, praying in our in our church at a, uh, early, early, early in the morning. I'd see myself doing that. And um, and so I, I'd love to tell you, the next thing I'd love to tell you is, so I started doing that. Actually, I didn't start doing that. For two years, I never did that. I never did what I saw in my heart. I had other prayer groups. I prayed at home over a cup of nice, wonderful cup of coffee. And um, I did everything else except for what I saw in my heart. And, um, but, it, you know, when I'd be talking to the Lord about, uh, about what he wanted to unfold and what he was seeing for my life and, and having more of him, I would see that. And so I would pray at home or at another prayer group. But it wasn't that. It wasn't like I was, you know, doing something bad. I just wasn't doing that. But in not doing that, I was missing a mark. And so sin can be, you know, doing some, something bad, but sin can also just miss a mark. And God puts marks in our heart. Because Psalms 84 says, in our heart is the road to Zion. In other words, to continue to walk this life out in him, there's actually a road. And it's in our heart. We can't follow somebody else's road and get there. You've got to follow what comes up in your own heart. But you actually have to follow it. Or else things just circle. So I remember, I finally, you know, I just thought, I talk and minister to people about obeying God and responding to whatever he says to do, do it. And then I, and then I don't, I, I haven't in this one area. I haven't tried to even substitute and do some things a bit, you know, giving it a go. And it looked like to other people, like, woo, isn't she doing something, you know, in the Lord? Yeah, doing anything, doing everything except for the one thing he said to do. I'm just saying, missing a, missing a, a mark. Um, my daughter... My youngest daughter just got married October uh, the 28th, and she married an Aussie. And so he came back with us for, uh, she brought him along, <laughs> and, we, and we had really nice family time. And um, uh, with all of the, the, our side of the family and then Tony's side of the family, uh, but he said that this, the thing that, that stood out the most to him on this whole trip to America, it was his very first time in America, was when he got to shoot guns. 
wasn't the family, wasn't the na na. And he went skiing, he went sledding, he went, he did all kind of stuff he'd never ever done before. But no, we were shooting guns. So, you know, no one has guns and gets to shoot them like Americans. So it's just, it's just, oh, he was just so excited. He had, had videos of it. He sent it back to all his mates back in Australia. And they were all going, oh, oh, oh bro, wish we could be there. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't all the other stuff. He went to Disneyland, and then he did everything. No, it was shooting guns. And so, but anyway, um, he was actually he was actually pretty good at it. I saw saw the target in the video he sent. the The target he was actually he was shooting it. And I was reminded of a, a time when because I got my my um, license to shoot in the fifth grade, which I'm just telling you, I told that once in Italy. And all the air was sucked out of the room. <laughs> they were going, what? What on God's green earth is a girl in the fifth grade doing shooting a gun? But anyway, and I passed by one point. <laughs> so, but my dad uh, took, took me out and my brother took. <clears throat> to practice shooting, and he left me with a, I, I, he had a little twenty-two rifle for me to shoot, <clears throat> and took my brother to shoot some bigger things, and he, he left me with a box of twenty-two shells, and then they went on to shoot in another place. I had such a great time. <laughs> just, you know, just Shot, I, I shot up that whole box, and there was no sign that I had shot one bullet. <laughs> uh, because I missed the mark. It's not our... Activity. I'm talking about, and I know, I know who's in here. You know, we're ministers. Is our life busy or what? Could, could I mean, are, is there's just demands and demands, and there's always things to do, always things to do. But it's not just the bang. It's not just the. Is there going to be any evidence that you did anything? Because it's when you hit the mark that there's evidence that you lived that day. When you hit the mark that you lived the next day. It's not just preaching anything. It's saying what he wants you to say. Hitting a mark. So this was a mark for me. The Lord put something in my heart, and he wanted me to hit it. So anyway, so finally, I think it was back in August, I thought, oh, I'm going to respond to God. 
So I, I did. I just didn't tell anybody. It was early enough that every, every, I'd, no one else knew. And you know, uh, he made the appointment with me. Years before, when I was 19 years old, I made the appointment with him. He drew my heart and made me want to. It wasn't my original idea. He put it in my heart. But I made the appointment. This one, he made the appointment with me. He wanted me. And I, for whatever reason, kept filling it in with other stuff. Even studying the Bible. <laughs> filling it, you know, doing other stuff. Other than what I saw, the target that I saw in my heart. So, I got in, in the church auditorium. And, and uh, in between, you know, when I was... 19 years old, and I'm 61 now. I just think there's a lot of years in there, and a lot of those years have been. Um, I love the subject of prayer, and and I love prayer. I love prayer groups and leading prayer groups and stuff like that. And but I tell you, in that fresh invitation from him, I didn't even know what to say. He wasn't looking for my years of experience and all I had studied on the subject of prayer. He wasn't looking for that. He just wanted me. He wanted my heart. I, yeah, I honestly didn't even know what to say. I tried, so I, you know... Because I love praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and I know the value of praying in the Holy Ghost. Really do and treasure that. So I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And I thought, mm, no, that ain't it. He didn't want me to just give him something. Tried to pray the word. Tried to pray the epistle prayers. None of that. And pretty much, he just wanted me to shut up. <laughs> and get close. So... Uh, Eventually, he did give me something to say in prayer. <clears throat> but he told me, he said, in these days, for what we need to navigate before the coming of the Lord, and for what the kingdom of darkness has constructed in the way of landmines and distractions and different kinds of things, He said, you can use your experience. 
but you can't lean to it. You can't lean to your own understanding. And then the experience that you use is the experience that he quickens and he, he activates. But we don't lean to it. Starting off in ministry, and maybe I don't know how, how long you've been doing what it is you're doing, but you know, that, that first feeling, those first feelings when you think, oh, God, I'm so scared to get, in, get out there and say anything, and your hands are sweating, and you're thinking, will it make any sense? And, and then years and years, you develop notes, and you get more used to it requires less and less dependency the more and more experience that you have. But it's in the dependency that there is the most consciousness and awareness of him. And whatever you're aware of is what you make people aware of. So we, we want to ground people in what they believe, but we want to ground people in who they are to believe. To do that, it's never, ever going to be. We're never going to learn so much that we, we put more and more space in between us and him because we can do it now. Never. We need him. Don't we need him? So from out of those times of, yeah, uh, he just took away any ex any of leaning on any experience or defaulting to anything that I, and just leaning into him. I found, and not just because it's a nice thing to say, I found depths of him I didn't know existed, and sometimes just make you cry. And I remembered a song that we used to sing. The, you can't sing the whole song because it has a lot of uh, doubt and unbelief in it, I reckon. But some bits of it you can are quite nice. There's a song we used to sing um, growing up. It says, He washed my eyes with tears. Anybody hear that song? That I might see. And that's about as much as you can sing of that song. <laughs> because the next phrase is, the broken heart I had was good for me, <laughs> you know. He tore it all apart and looked inside, you know. Okay, so do you see what I mean? He washed my eyes with tears that I might see. But there are things he wants to show us he needs us to see. There are things he needs us to hear. He needs our senses not to be dulled. He needs us to be sharp. He needs us to be. And experience doesn't always equate, and time in ministry doesn't always equate sharpness of vision and ears. That fluctuates depending on our responsiveness to him. I had a dream when Tony and I first moved to Australia from Singapore. I had a dream. And in that dream, 
I had a sword, and I was beating the sword on a rock. It's an odd dream. I was beating that sword on a rock, and then I would stop from the beating, and I would, I te- I ran my my finger across the blade, and it was all dinged up. Well, of course it was. I was beating it on a rock, and then I woke up. I thought that was an odd dream. So I asked the Lord, I said, is there anything you want to say to me about about what I just saw? Why was I doing that? He said, when you don't respond to things I give you to say or to do, that sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, that's what you're, you're doing, tantamount to doing. You're dulling the sword. But praise the Lord, he didn't stop there. He's always so uplifting and and helpful. He said, but every time you respond to what I tell you to do, what I give you to do, when you respond to it, it sharpens that sword. So I believe we all have access to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And if, we can, if we're even hearing from, from God, that word, the word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, is the rhema of God, what God is saying. But can what God is saying to us be sharper? Apparently so. When we are hearing from God, the rhema, but we are in other areas of our life responsive to him, keeps that sword real sharp, real sharp. And for what needs to happen in our, in our communities and in our churches, in our families, we don't want to be dissecting things and, and working on things with a, with a dull sword. We want a, sh- a, a, a sharp sword. So this morning on the way over here while we were praying, praying in the Holy Ghost on the way over, I kept on hearing something that I remember would come out in prophecies of Brother Hagin's. And um, often it would be a phrase that would come, respond ye to the Holy Spirit. Respond to the Holy Spirit. What God wants for us, what God has for us, isn't just plopped on us and enforced on us. It is realized and walked into through responding to him. Respond unto the Holy Spirit. Can we just put our hands up into him? Hallelujah. Like plugs, oh God, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your ways for us, your will for us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Respond. So what I saw, you can put your hands down. What I saw was, this does, 
does not apply to everyone, but I know it's, it, it does apply to more than one, to some. Was a field and a well-worked field surrounded by the trees, like something you would see. Actually, we were driving along and I looked and I saw such a field surrounded with trees, tall trees, not like just hedge, tall trees, like those pine trees that were, they, uh, there, there may have even been a fence, I don't know, but certainly the trees were a border to a very well-worked field. And when I saw it, the Holy Spirit inside said, that's a picture of some people's life and ministry. It's a very beautiful and well-worked field. And it is defined by these trees. But he wants to say, these trees that have defined your border are now confining you. And they are not to confine you. For you to fulfill what he has given you to do, there is more territory outside or on the other side of that border than there is inside. And he said, you'll have to get out of that border to be able to see what else he has. That's interesting, isn't it? So how to do that? And he said this. You're going to pray outside. He's going to lead you to pray outside of the border. So maybe you have, you're used to praying for your church in a certain way, the people of your church in a certain way. What you have been doing, you're working it, you've been faithful, a faithful steward over what he has given you. But what you can see and what is in your hand is not all he has portioned to you. There's some other things to take, and you're going to have to take it by faith. What's inside that border, you can see. There's a lot of experience has gone into those fields, and he's calling you in prayer to work outside of just this. doesn't mean that you leave prayer off in that, but you're going to have his leading for you to pray outside of that boundary and border. Hallelujah. He's going to give you more land. But the only way that you're going to be able to have it, I'm talking about, and it may end up being more land physically, but I'm talking about more territory spiritually. The only way that you will, that you will get that is by faith. He wants to lead you to start looking at it. Praise the Lord. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What will that mean? 
But for different ones, it's going to mean a lot of different things. But what you began doing, that is this well-groomed field, was actually initiated by faith. Now, he doesn't want you to stop living by faith. He wants you to take more territory by faith. So we follow him. We follow his unctions. And he said this. He's already been stirring you. He's already been stirring you. Real clarity and interpretation of what he's saying is, is not well developed yet. But he already has been talking. You'll never know what else he has to say until you say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears you. Hallelujah. He has a whole lot more to say. And then a whole season of saying a whole lot more. Just like it happened with, with little Samuel. God could not say anything more until Samuel acknowledged that God was talking to him. Hallelujah. He wants you. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't wait for anything to change. People to change around you. Circumstances to change around you. To start responding to him. Respond now. He knows the people around you. He knows the situation around you. And his invitation accommodates it all. Respond. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we just pause just for, and, and again, bring up um, from your heart an acknowledgement of his hand upon your life. Can you do that? Get a better, that's what this praying in the Holy Ghost is. Purging, a purifying. Hallelujah. Where is that, Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said this, and then, and then we're going to just, uh, um, you know, bless my heart. I don't know what time it is. 11.25. Okay, so I'll just say just a couple things, and then I'd, I'd like us to just have the opportunity just to pray. I'll let you guys go and just pray. But Jesus said this in John, the seventh chapter, starting in verse 37. He said, when you're thirsty, come to me. And cast your cares? No. Not, not, you do that. You do that. 
You do that. But that's not what he said in this verse of scripture. He said, when you're thirsty, come to me and what? You come and you drink. Verse 38, 39 goes on to say, Jesus was talking. And he said, what you drink is this living water. You drink living water. And if you'll drink this living water, you'll know that you are drinking to the proportion that is affecting you and affecting what concerns you when out of your innermost being starts flowing rivers of living water. You go to one source and multiple rivers come out of you. You can end up coming to him and drinking and your kids get watered. Your marriage gets watered. Your church gets watered. All, all the areas of your life gets watered if you'll come to me and drink. Because I can tell you that prayer life can begin to be obsessive with projects, prayer projects, and you're conscious of this, and you're conscious of this, and this need, and what the devil's doing over there, and what the devil's doing, and what people are doing, and feeling a little, you know, something not good's going over there, and your prayer could start becoming so negative in its personality. Prayer is identified with dealing with negatives. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And in ministry, you're not just aware of your own needs. You're aware of everybody's need. Your prayers can just, it can be an expression of Jesus. He said, no, when you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28, he said, when you're weary and heavy laden, what do you do? <laughs> Take a holiday. No, it's not what he said. When you're weary and heavy laden, come to me. Come to me. And what will he give? He gives you rest, which can, the Amplified says, you know, is relaxation, recreation to the soul. But, uh, but the Bible translates rest in Hebrews 3 and 4 of his finished works. So when something is making you weary, go to him and he will show you the way it's going to end. And you drink that. Do you like that? Drink the end. Drink the rest. He finished all his work and then he, he rested. Isn't that what Hebrews 3 and, and, and verse 4? And we labor to enter into what? And this rest is reserved for the people of God. It wasn't just for Joshua and his time. He said, there's still another day for the, for, for, for the people of God to enter into rest. But you have to do it by faith. And this rest is where all God's works are finished. 
all the mark is already finished. We, we want to connect with that great mark. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not be giving our energies and our time and our thought to something that's not even the mark and missing the mark. Jesus told Brother Hagen, he said, most ministers live and die, and they don't even, even enter into the first stage of ministry that I gave them. They're into introduction and practice for what God, but you, you, we can't go any further unless there's a perpetual participation with him. So let's receive. Can we do, can we do our praying in tongues for this time? Let's leave off praying for our church. Let's leave off praying for you know, whatever it is that has made you thirsty or weary and heavy laden. Or whoever has made you weary and heavy laden. Zip, zip, zip. Nope, nope, nope. He said, you come to me. How horrible is it to come to him? He's perfect. So the other day, when we were starting to pray, I got this word, purify. And I said, oh, your water, what comes out of you is so purified. He said, no, what comes out of me hasn't been purified. It's pure. <laughs> so I, I looked, I quick and I looked in the dictionary pure means what you drink from him when you pray in other tongues because I it's so easy through gravity for our consciousness when we pray to lower from that to that you know just you we're thinking of people so what ends up happening is prayer can end up being a consecrated time of worry Are stirring the pot, thinking about what you're going to say while you're praying in tongues, thinking about what you're going to say, thinking about what has been said, thinking about, even thinking about, even thinking about, you know, like verses of scripture that you can tell and stuff. But there are some supernatural and precise things that come through us that is not mixed with your thought. It's pure from him. Don't you reckon pure thoughts from God can have a greater effect than a diluted and mixed up thought? Yeah. So he said this, pure, what comes out of him, and I'm loving this. This is perfect, this music. Pure means free from anything of a different, inferior, or contaminating kind. Free from extraneous matter. And it gives the example of pure gold or pure water. Unmodified by a mixture, it's pure. So when we come to Jesus and drink, and the water that we drink is going to be pure. But this is what he went, he said, that pure water has the ability to purify. Second, from one another's thoughts, talking about, uh, you know, even amongst ourselves sometime about what different things that are happening, talking, you're going to have a mixture. 
partly of God, but partly human thoughts. And the Bible says that just human thoughts are so much lower than his thoughts, as low and as different as the heavens are above the earth. We want something coming out of heaven. So purify means to make pure, free from anything that debases, pollutes, adulterates, or contaminates. To purify metals, to free from foreign, extraneous, objectionable elements. To purify a language. To be free from guilt or evil. To clear or purge. Let's drink some clean water. Can we? Let's drink some water that has God's end God's end result. Not the devil's. God's end result. And let those thoughts just come down as the rain from heaven and the snow and let it water us. Hallelujah. Can we just make this whole room uh, a prayer room? You can scatter out. You've got some time to just, uh, the rest of our time, just to pray. Can we do it? We come to you and we drink, Lord Jesus. We come to you and we receive rest. And we take what you give to us. We take what you give to us. Direction. Impartation. Let's go ahead and lift a praise to him. Clear, clean, healed, free. Clearing away, clearing away, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just 
keep your eyes closed. I see the Lord providing a purified, a pure, a pure, a pure stream that will purify your consciousness. That when you think of certain people, when you think of a group of people, when you think of your church, it is free from contaminants of disappointments, of situations, and it's well supplied with solution. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see him cleaning your eyes. I see someone here almost it's too painful nearly to open your eyes to look because of the debris that's in your eyes from what you have seen. And he's cleaning your eyes. Hallelujah. He has things for you to see. Oh, kere beshtene. Thank you, Jesus. 60 seconds. Let's just drink in some more of that water. It's purifying eyes. Clear. Clear vision. Purifying your hearing. So many sounds. So many words. So many kinds of words. He's purifying your hearing. Hallelujah. Drink in some more of that water. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Yum, barara Shana Thank you, Jesus. Oh, get a Hallelujah. Can we just rejoice over our futures? Yeah, Jimmy, they're worth praising the Lord about. Oh, yeah, good things. Yeah, Shimini Maradusta. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Janamana Ledele. Janamana Ranele. Jolololo Shingene Zalanonda. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
I see this this will hook up with something that God is putting in some some I see you just walking around in your church drinking that living water and purifying so you have some people that maybe vacuum your floor but you're going to spiritually clean out in between all the rows fresh fresh hallelujah so not only can you see clearly but you help them to see clearly to hear clearly clean out the space between the, the, the chairs and the platform clean out the distance hallelujah they can hear clearly they can see clearly Let's lift up our voice and thank Him for purifying water. Zelenando, New days, new ways. Zgebaraski, there's so much more. Zelenabarabedidila, Omlamansanina. Hallelujah. Not only new for you, but new for them. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I, I show you what I see. I, I see just uh, the more that you just let water just keep on um, rising by being a conduit of drinking it. The water just starts flowing. And there's a place that you're to minister from, a platform. And you can't get up there. Can't get up there except for two different ways. And that's doing what he tells you to do and each thing that he tells you to do will be like a step. Each thing that he tells you to do will be like a step. Do it, and it'll bring you up. The second way is by the Spirit, doing what he says to do, and then just letting the flow of the Holy Spirit in his presence just keep building and building. And the water will rise until you just come up with the water. That's nice, hey? Easy smeezy. Praise the Lord. His yoke is easy. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him as him. Yeah, let him Hallelujah. Not a struggle or in fretting. Not in worry or in stressing. Zeshimi say by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, not by might nor by power, 
Can we function our best in this hour? But by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Manamando, 30 more seconds. Go ahead and drink some more of that water. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Washing away all sadness, replacing it with genuine gladness by His Spirit, by His Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good life. Thank you, Jesus. Um, can somebody get me the, that a book that's that book that's out there? Love. It's called Engendered. I want to give something to you just because I'm responding to something in my heart. So, sit down, and we're going to pray for America. Just reach across. Um, man, aren't these interesting days? They are from here, but I, I tell you what, uh, people have have started watching uh, American politics like um, drama shows. It's just been really quite remarkable, amazing and remarkable. We are in unprecedented days. The best way for us to touch it is by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Today, uh, uh, was in California, I, I got a word in my heart that, and he gave me different things from the word. It was, uh, it was not a sermon. It was just we were in a time of prayer, and it just started coming that there had been things written that needed to be discovered. Things already decreed that needed to be discovered. So the wise men were able to actually locate the Christ child, not just by the star, but what had been written and was archived in Herod's palace. Very interesting, isn't it? Was We usually just talk about the star, but there was also, that wasn't enough to actually pinpoint the place. There needed to be a discovery of what had been written. And then the rebuilding of the temple with Ezra, there is so much writing from Cyrus and then Darius and other kings. 
And there had been searches into archives to discover what had been written. Praise the name of the Lord. So uh, Mr. Mr. Trump felt impressed to check archives to see what has been written regarding prayer in schools and things are already, we don't need to pass new laws. There's already things written. Isn't that amazing? So we just enforce what is written. And there doesn't need to be any consternation that freedom to pray or freedom to read the book is also given to other religions. That doesn't bother us. Why would it bother us? We've got the book. And we've got the living God. When Tony and I lived in, in Singapore, it was, there was freedom religion for every, and it was legislated. Legislated, you had to be nice to everybody. And you couldn't talk bad about anybody. It was by law. It was kind of nice, actually. Everybody had to play nice. So there was all different religions and different nationalities all living side by side. But the advantage is, is that the, the Word of God is the living Word of God. So we had the same freedoms as everyone else did. It's just that we get God on our side. Okay, we have advantage. Praise the name of the Lord. So let, we don't, we're not afraid of that. Let's just step in and use our freedom. Can we? Glory to God. We're going to, in praying for America, let's not just go wide. Let's go towards schools. Because that was the assignment that the Lord put on my heart. Uh, because the devil, the kingdom of darkness, in trying to steer the ship in a direction that the darkness needs it to go, requires the children requires it. It always, anytime there's propaganda, it always has to, it always has to harness the children. Can we, can we pray into this? I mean, already this thing, woo-hoo-hoo, opening up for schools, I believe that God is going to send teachers as missionaries into schools. Can we believe for that? He, he told me that we weren't, he said if, if there were some people that were working in, in that social field, in the, in the educational field, he said if those people in your church were in another country doing what they were doing, you'd call them a missionary. And you'd have them up on the board and support them monthly. They're just going to your church and they're just a teacher. Or just, you know, no. They're missionaries into an amazing field. Let's ask God to send more labors into that field. Can we? Go ahead and lift up your voice and let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, we pray. We pray for the children. We pray for, for uh, uh, not, only, not only school age. We're talking daycare, daycare, babies. Yeah, but I get to send labors into the daycare. Send labors into kindergarten. Send labors into elementary age kids. Send labors. 
at school administration, teachers, janitors, coaches. <laughs> Woo, get a bit of in high school. Send labors in Jesus' name. Send labors. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Now let's just give him praise, can we? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for, for sending labors. Amen. <laughs>